We are reading from the scripture, the word of God from Acts, first chapter, 1 to 18 verse. In the first book called Theophilus, I have dwelt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you hear from me, from John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, and they were looking on, he lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? These Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journeys away. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James, all this with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood upon, up among the brothers and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, with the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, was allotted his share in his ministry. May the word of God bless. If you are visiting today and do not have a own personal copy of scriptures, please take uh, scriptures which is in the uh, bow. All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. So children's age four through kindergarten may leave to attend children's service.
Good morning to the church here in Mangamari, the Trinity Presbyterian Church. I greet you from India, behalf of Christ Gospel Ministries. I thank the ruling elders, the teaching elders, and the audience gathered this morning on this special occasion of mission emphasis. The emphasis is building the kingdom of God through the proclamation of the gospel to the nations. I appreciate and thank the leaders of the church for allowing me to stand in front of you to share the magnificent word of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. My sermon theme for today would be persecution is a part of the call. So when we, when we read the scripture from Acts 1st chapter, the test records that our Lord last meeting with his disciples while he was here on the earth. He is preparing to ascend back into heaven to sit down at the right hand of his father. He leaves, he commands and he commissions his men to reach the world with his message he reminds them of what should be the central focus of their ministry. He reminds them that they are to keep the main thing as the main thing. So disciple wants to talk about the future things. So Jesus is trying and Jesus is telling that the main thing is the missions. They need to go and preach the gospel to the nations. And it started from Jerusalem. When we read the book of Acts, we see the gospel proclamation from a small town, which is Jerusalem, which entered into the nations across the globe. So Jesus is commanding disciples and is telling that they should be witness to the world for his gospel and for his saving grace. Many times we think the gospel is just to be limited. But our Jesus is not limited to one particular country or one particular nation. The kingdom of God needs to be proclaimed across the globe. And people need to know the saving knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. So once a chaplain, army chaplain said... It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. Serving Jesus comes with a cost that we must pay every day. Jesus said, follow me every day. Bear the cross and follow me every day. Following Jesus is paying a cost, including persecution. That often comes with standing for Christ. But in it's all worth in its end because we are doing what is right and pleasing to God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, Indeed, all who decide to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be pers pers persecuted. If there is no Acts, 1 chapter 8 verse, and when we see, when we go through Acts chapter 8 chapter 1 verse, we see the church had a great persecution. 
So in order to fulfill Acts first chapter 8 words, God sent persecution to the church. The book of Acts opened with Christ's final earthly words to his disciples. A remarkable blueprint for the world evangelism. Jesus said, when you receive the power, the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the outreach of the church might never have reached behind Jerusalem if there was no persecution happened in the Jerusalem church. When we see, when we read from Acts 8 chapter, in 7 chapter, Stephen was being killed by the Jewish because Stephen was preaching about the sovereignty of God, that Jesus is Messiah. Stephen dead and in testifying persecution, the church through Acts is like following a wounded deer through a forest. A wounded deer through a forest. Drop of blood marks the trails. The opening verses of chapter 8, we see the persecution of the early church. The soul was approved to persecute the Christians. He got an approval from the, from the Roman and from the Jewish people to persecute the Christians. So he was going to each and every house and he's killing Christians. He's catching them, throwing them in the prison. And, and Philip started preaching the gospel. They scattered. Before I started coming to United States of America, I got a message from one of a pastor who lives in North India. Three, two weeks ago, before Pastor James came to India, we had a conference in North India where we had come some couple of couples who came for a seminar. We had three days seminar. After three days of seminar, while we were in the airport, I got a message that there were 14 pastors who were arrested who came to those conferences. And they have been charged that they are been converting people. See, according to the source, in 2023, there were more than 1,000 pastors being arrested due to their preaching of the gospel. If you Google, if you Google and find Manipur in your mobile phones, Manipur, M-A-N-I-P-U-R, for last one year, Christians have been harassed. And more than 300 churches have been burned. Hundreds of Christians have been killed. It's still in the news. Why is this happening? Because of their call. Because being a Christian. There are thousands of stories we can tell you today. And even in the centuries... In the Bible we see it's a reality that many Christians have been persecuted because of their faith what they, for what they have been called. God uses the persecution and suffering of his people to spread the truth of Christ to bless the world. If there was no Acts 8 chapter, there is no gospel proclamation into the entire nations. And Jesus said, Jesus said in Luke 21st chapter, Jesus said, people will lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity 
to bear witness. So, when we try to understand the meaning of persecution, the primary Hebrew word for persecution is called radab in Hebrew. In Greek, it's called dogmos. Dogmos means pressing on. Pressing on. So persecution means pressing on. Though there is a oppression, there's, though there is a suppression, when we bear the name of Christ as a testimony in our life, God has given us a great opportunity to serve the Master, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is the creator of everything. And we are bearing the image of God. And when we think about the Greek word for persecution, it's called dogmos, pressing on, telling, telling, telling the word of God. And there's another word we need to consider called marcher. So the dictionary defines marcher as a person who is killed because of his religious faith. So it means we need to press on. It means our call is to press on and to be witness. Due to the persecution in the first century church, believers scattered throughout the region of Judea, Samaria. This happened after the martyr of Stephen, who was the first deacon in the Jerusalem church. His testimony, his story is a power of faith that encouraged the believers to stand what we believe on. The account of Stephen in the Bible reveals that when he was preaching, several men came to dispute his preaching and what he was saying. Despite their efforts, Stephen was able to stand defending what he believes. Though they came to kill him, though they were warning him that they want to kill him, he was not afraid. You know why? He believed who is the, the creator. His eyes, eyes was enlightened. His heart, eyes was unlighted to see the magnificent glory of God. He has a lot of criticism by the people. But people were refused to listen and instead distorting to make false accusation against him. And they presented unfounded charges to the Jewish leaders, which ultimately led Stephen arrest. And eventually he was being killed. However, we need to understand that during the formation of the Christianity, Jerusalem held a place of utmost importance of preaching the gospel. The church established and the presence of twelve were there and many other esteemed leaders were there in the church. And there was abundant spiritual luminaries in the Jerusalem. And what happened? They stayed a few years. They were just, were so much convenient with the life what they have. They stayed in the Jerusalem. And God sent persecution on the church. So, God used persecution to scatter the disciples and make them leave Jerusalem. And you know, there was a man called Saul. Later he became Paul. Who was known for his spirituality, made life difficult for the disciples. 
by either putting them in prison or making them run for their lives. The prisons in those days were terrible and often a death sentence for those who were put in them. As a result of this, the faithful were scattered with some going one way and some going another way. In the same time, St. Thomas came to India in AD, in AD 70. In the same time when Acts 8 chapter happened, some scattered one way, some scattered another way. And St. Thomas who came to India in AD 70. A Christian witness is raised in Jerusalem and even after Stephen's death, instead the blood of martyr is the seed of the church. And that today the same dynamic is at work. Whether it is any nation, whether it is China, whether it is India, whether any country, it's the same thing. The fruit of the witness under persecution, even mature, is being harvested. People were killed. Like Hudson Taylor, he went to China. A couple of years ago, he died there. He shed his blood in China. And now we see the seeds of the blood what is shed in China. And William Carey, who came to India 200 years ago, he spent his time. He, he lost his wife. He lost his kid. He lost everything. But he spent his life there by translating Bible. By the efforts of those people. And we are receiving the harvest. So God spurred the church into missionary service by the suffering she endures. Therefore, we must not judge the church's setbacks at tactical defeats. So persecution cannot stop their love for Jesus. So the Romans and the Jewish were thinking, if they persecute, they will stop worshipping Jesus. They stop loving Jesus. But the persecution made them more love to Jesus. And even more, the centuries of Christian history, they were recorded like, in last year, there were like six, 360 million Christians who were being killed because of their faith. 360 million. That's equal to the population of America. Because of their faith in Jesus. They were being killed, tortured. God uses the persecution and suffering for his people to spread the truth of Christ and bless the world. The word behind Paul, Paul was ravaging the church. He was destroying the church. He was sadistically, was very cruel man. Like a wild boar tearing a victim's body apart. He was so ravaging, destroying the church. And he himself said, I have been a graceless, vindictive man. I, perse I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. See, a man who was ravaging the church and who was persecuting the church, the man was being changed. When he's writing to Galatians, he explained, for you have heard my previous way of life in Judaism. How insensibly I persecuted, I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So Paul was a hunter before he became a believer. Brought death and misery to the church, but amidst the horrors of the waves of the persecution against the Christ, Christ followers, he became a gospel presenter when God caught him. 
So, I was born in a Hindu family. My parents are Hindus. I was born as a premature to my parents, and my parents were very poor. Because I had a health issues, my parents were unable to take care of me, and they are looking for a way that someone can adopt me. My father's sister, who had been married for 15 years, and she didn't have any kids. So when she heard that there is a baby boy belongs to her brother, and she was graciously accepting, accepted to adopt me. So they adopted me when I was six months, and they are Hindus. And they taken me away from my biological parents for 16 years. They have given me good education. I learned different languages across the nation of India. At my 16 years, my adopted mother died with a heart attack. I, I rarely saw my mom, my biological mother. I, I don't know anything more about them because my, I stayed most of my time with, a, by, my, with my adopted parents. At my 16 years, when my adopted mother died, my adopted father married another woman, and she started treating me badly. And she doesn't like me to stay in the house. And she was finding all the ways how she can kick me out of the house. And she was putting all blames on me to my father. And my father was starting and treating me badly. And I was thinking that this is a time I need to leave my home. And I need to go to my real home. One fine night, I ran away from my biological parents, uh, from my adopted father to my biological parents, taking a train, a free train, get into the bathroom, stay the whole night. And I was thinking that my parents are in good shape. When I saw my parents, they were living in tattered shed. They were very poor, poor, very poor. They don't have anything to stay. They're living, they're cooking food under using sticks. Oh my God, I'm going, how I'm going to live in this house? For 16 years, I had a good life. My mom became a believer and she started sharing me the gospel that Jesus is God. And I, and I, grown as a Hindu young boy in a Hindu family, my name was Venkatesh. Vijay is my converted name. Venkatesh is my previous name. And I used to tell my mother, Mother, Jesus is not our God. We have many Indian gods whom we to worship. Jesus is a white people God. He's an American God. We have many gods in, with us. We need to worship those gods. And our gods are so powerful than Jesus. See, Jesus died. And he has no power to save himself. How he can save us? But you see all our Indian gods, they are very powerful. You see, they have, they have body like hulks. They are very powerful. They have weapons. And my mom said, no son, Jesus is God. She was every day, she was telling me, but I was not listening. So time was going on. One Sunday, she asked me, son, would you want to come to church tomorrow? I told her, I'm not come to church. I don't want to worship those American God, those white people God. She told doesn't matter, but tomorrow there is a Easter worship and there will be food. I thought, okay, okay, food? Yes, food. <laughs> then I told, okay, I will come to church, not for Jesus. I'll come to church for food. So I went to the Easter worship, sitting in the last pool, in the last bench, and the pastor was preaching on the sovereignty of God, that Jesus is holy, Jesus is rising from the death, and Jesus is loving. There is none like Jesus out of millions of God who has these qualifications. 
Being a Hindu boy, Hindu man, I want to challenge this pastor that we have many gods who are more holy, more loving, and who are risen from the dead. I want to challenge this pastor, telling that our gods are more powerful. I started searching all gods, even my name, called Venkatesh, God of Destroyer. I started searching all gods, finding whatever I know, searching for every god who I know, who I worship since from my childhood. I could not find out of millions one, one god who is loving, who is holy, who is risen from the dead. That simple gospel message on those Easter Sunday has changed my life. And right that moment, I got a burning passion to live for Christ and die for Christ. And I sense that God's hands is upon me for a special work and for a special task. See, once I was a Hindu man worshipping idols, but in God's marvelous grace, He has saved me. Nowadays what I'm doing, I'm going to people and telling that once I was a beggar, and I found the food. I found where there is satisfaction. And you can come there and you can be satisfied. And God, God is doing great things through us. The work, what we are doing, not because we are great people. It's about He is great. And Jesus commanded disciples, is telling them to be witness to the world for his gospel, to take the gospel to entire nations, and keeping them, and telling them, and commissioning them, that they need to keep the main thing as the main thing. We are not, we are not, we should not stop the gospel. We should not stop the missions, because mission is the heart of the church. See, we can, love with, we can live without hand. We can live without eyes, but we cannot live without heart. If church wants to live, and there should be missions. If there is no mission, there is no church. And, and Jesus is telling that Jesus is the only hope to the world, and he is the only salvation to the world. And as I said, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And Jesus is the bread of life. He is the solution to the spiritual hungary of the world. He is the only solution to the world. And when we see in the Bible, when the Christians were persecuted, and the persecution cannot stop their love for Christ, for spreading the gospel, and they keep on going, preaching the gospel, and trusting in God's goodness and power. God's sovereignty over persecution and suffering is often a source of comfort and hope. So, in, in October, I went to visit some of our persecuted brothers in Manipur. So we started raising some money for those persecuted Christians, provided some shelter and relief. And I, along with my another staff, went, taken 24 hours dirt road, mountains, very uh, dangerous road, 
because all the borders were closed, so we, it was not easy to go to those villages. So we taken a different route in the village, in the, on the mountains, going to the forest. And we went to these people living in uh, shelters under the trees. And uh, I met with one girl, and she lost her mom. And she was like six months girl. And I asked her, baby, what do you want? I was hoping that she's going to ask me some toys. You know what she asked? She asked me, uncle, I need Bible. My Bible is burned. I don't have Bible to read. I need Bible. Even though they have, they have been in intensive persecution, that small girl of six years of age, she's not asking for toys, but she's asking for Bible. So I want to encourage you something, my friends, this morning. That God uses persecution to serve missions. To advance His gospel. God makes persecution serve the great commission. In the Stephen murder we see, a great persecution happened, arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea, Samaria. The verse, Acts 8 chapter, verse 1, provides a precious mention of the region of Judea and Samaria in that order. And God is fulfilling His mission, which is giving to His people. It's not people fulfilling the mission, it's God who is fulfilling His mission. It's not I do the ministry, it's He who do through me. I just need to be available. I just need to be say, yes, I'm here, Lord. Please use me. And sometimes we are in danger of comfort and prosperity. Comfort, easiness, prosperity can be dangerous sometimes. They can lead us to complacency and lack of motivation. And sometimes it makes us lazy for the missions. So we need to push ourselves from the comfort zone and continuously challenge ourselves to grow and improve. We should not settle in a status quo. We should keep moving forward to achieve the goals, goal of the kingdom of God, which God has given us to go and proclaim the gospel to the nations. We need to see that every nation, every tongue, every knee bow down that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. You should not settle. There's a danger of comfort, easy and prosperity. And there is a tremendous lesson in Jesus' teaching to the church. The, le- the lesson is not just that God is sovereign and turns setbacks to triumph. The lesson is that comfort and easy and prosperity sometimes takes us from the motion of, takes away from the missions what God has called us. We should keep moving. We should produce people for the kingdom of God, Christ and His kingdom. Sometimes the very thing that we think would produce personal and energy and creative investment of time and money in the cause of Christ and His kingdom. Instead, sometimes it produces the opposition, weakness, 
apathy, self-centeredness, preoccupation with own security. So there was a research done on believers giving tithe in the church. So the wealthiest members of the church gives very small portion, it means. And the poorest of the people give more. I'm not offending. Try to understand. It's like our mission, our life is for the gospel proclamation. We are living for kingdom, kingdom of God. There is, there is a fighting between the kingdom of God and kingdom of Satan. And we want to we want to snatch those people who are under the kingdom of Satan. We want to go and proclaim the gospel. Unless God enlighten them, unless God come and speak with them, they're not going to save. But how God is going to save? But God is going to save them through you and through me. And we are the tools. In Jesus' parable to the four soils, it is evident that some individuals fall away during persecution because they lack a strong foundation. However, it is also true that many times we are not focusing for the missions. So this message is a powerful reminder to be cautious of the danger that come with prosperity and excessive easy and comfort. It emphasizes the importance of staying true to our values, even when it's difficult and not becoming disheartened. When we face persecution for doing what is right, the passage encourages us to stay hopefully and believe that even in the face of adversity, we can hold on to our faith that is in Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen's actions are being honored and he was not being criticized. What he, have is, what he has done by preaching the gospel, it was honored. See? And the enemy, the soul became a friend. Saul was an enemy. Then he became a friend. He became, he became an advocate. It is encouraging to see how God changes the people's heart and mind. And Saul who became a Paul, converted and became the best friend and advocate Christianity who ever had in the history. He wrote 13 books. He trained thousands of pastors. He planted many churches. Perhaps most of the churches was planted under his leadership. We must repeatedly live in hope. We can be precious. See, some, sometimes... We are afraid of our enemies, but God can make our enemies our friend. Adversaries can become advocates. Critics can become comrades. For most of us, it is easy to believe that an intimate disciple like Judah became a deadly betrayer. This is the way the world is. But we need to remind her that a deadly persecutor can also become a great ally and partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the way God works. We don't know. The, the preaching of the gospel brings joy. The preaching of the gospel brings joy. It is interesting to note that according to Acts 8 chapter verse 4, the scattered and persecuted Christian preached the word wherever they went. 
It is a testimony to their faith and dedication to spread the message of Christianity even in the face of adversity. You know how the America was founded, the Puritans. They were persecuted and they came to America. And now God bless America. The word that brings persecution also brings joy. And the joy it brings is so much greater than the longer than trouble it brings than the trade of what it is. Well, when the gospel being presented, it says the unclean spirits were coming out of the people and leaving them free and whole and pure. It says that many were paralyzed or lame were being healed. But the main reason there is a joy is what we read in verse 5 in Acts 8 chapter verse 5. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Christ alone has the power to deliver from Satan and all the evil. I want to tell this story and close my sermon. Let me tell you an incident happened a few months ago. One of our pastors arranged two days of evangelism outreach in a village where nearly 300 people gathered and participated for two nights. I shared evangelism in that village, the sovereignty of God. On the final day, a man came to me and said he had a sickness disease and went to a doctor, but no use. He wanted me to pray for him. Being a Presbyterian reform, I was a little bit cautious. Then I thought, okay, he's asking me to pray, I'll pray for him. Then I, along with other pastors, we started praying. And he asked me to lay my hand on his head. So he taken my hands and asked, put it on his head. So I put my hand on his head. And we all praying. Then he suddenly screaming and started crying. And he crawled down on the ground for 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, he woke up. And he asked what had happened to him. And he said something has gone out of his body. He feels energetic. And he feels something he has been delivered. Let's praise God. I think God delivered him. God has healed him. And then later we are having a lunch. Then, uh, and he brought his wife who was married for eight years. They were married for eight years. And whenever she's con- conceived to have babies, she gets severe stomach pain and get an abortion. And she said, Pastor, I went to see many physicians, spent a lot of money, but all said, I had no problem in my body. Everything's okay. She asked us to pray again. While we were praying uh, for a few minutes, the woman started talk, talking like in a strange voice. Her voice changed. She said, don't pray for me. See, I know America is very developed. But if you want to see miracles, you can come and see in India. Some of my friends, when they come and see, they say, oh my God, this is what we see real is happening here. And, and we pray for this woman. And the woman started tra- talking in a strange voice, asking us not to pray. And saying that she won't leave her body. She was their ancestor God. And she could not leave them. 
And we prayed for three hours, three hours, and finally she was being delivered. And I got a news after six months that she is now conceived and she is carrying a baby. It's only because of Jesus. How these people will come to know Jesus unless someone has been presented there? And we know that Christ alone had the power to heal our bodies now and finally in the resurrection. Christ alone has the power to forgive our sins and make us right with God. So if you are in Christ, if you are in Him, when we trust Him, that no matter how severe the persecution is, no matter how great the suffering of life is, because we have hope and we have a joy. There was much joy in the city because Philip preached the gospel. The ultimate challenge is to be witnessed and share in the gospel. So, I'm privileged to be with you this morning. And we are preaching the gospel. And we are always in the front line. And there are a lot of things going against the church, but we know that no one can destroy the church. No one can destroy the church because it was started. It was, Jesus is the founder. I argue this morning that when, we, when, when our root is in the faith of Christ and is the reason for encouragement because every personal personality is, comes from Jesus. So we commit our life totally to Jesus because he has called us for a purpose, for his building his kingdom. And we see that happen in Acts, and we see that happen in these 2,000 years. It started from a small town, Jerusalem. It went across the globe. Started by 11 people, 12 people, then 3,000 people. Now it's went across the globe. But still there are many people who haven't heard the name of Jesus Christ in their life. India is one of the first countries in the world with largest unreached people groups and I would ask you to pray for us pray for what we are doing let's pray uh, Father Lord we come to you thank you Lord for giving your son Jesus Christ to this world to save for our sins thank you for purchasing us through your son Jesus Christ thanks for your Holy Spirit Thanks for building your kingdom. Though we are weak, you are using us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this tremendous message you've given us this morning to each and every one of us. May you use every believer of the church to be an evangelist. May you use them mightily for the sake of your gospel, for your kingdom. In, Je in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
before the benediction, I want to remind you that there is a congregational meeting to follow afterward. If you are a visitor, uh, you're welcome to stay. If you'd like to leave after the benediction, there will be a brief interlude where you may exit. Receive God's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.